Everybody ready? Come on, let's go. Yo, what's up? This is Rick Thorne, the Biker in Black. Welcome to the Rick Thorne Show. On this episode, I got the one and only Mr. Sendog. That's right, Sendog from Cypress Hill and Power Flow. I'm going to give him a call right now. Let's do this. Yo, Sendog, what's up? This is Rick. This is Rick, man. What are you doing? I just, I just got through smoking a big fat morning doobie. I figured that, dude. How do you feeling? I mean, I'm feeling really good despite everything that's going on in the world, you know that? It's crazy times, man. Uh, you guys, uh, with Cypress Hill, you, you guys, I saw that you did play some gigs or no, some drive through gigs or something? Yeah, a few months ago, man, uh, like about maybe two or three months back, we did a couple of uh, driving shows where the, the crowd was uh, back at a distance and they were, you know, socially distanced or the car or whatever. And we got, we showed up and we did the shows, man, on Ventura and then and a couple in Riverside. Um, but people had a good time, and I think that's what counted, you know. Yeah, I, for that's always what counts. But you know, I always think about them drive through things like how many DUIs they given. You know what I mean? You like sitting in your car, like yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah, you got to have it. You definitely had to have a designated driver if you go to one of those. But was the was the response cool? Like people were into it. Oh, yeah, man, people were, you know, because uh, in between shows, they, they shuffle all the cars out and shuffle more in, so uh, kids were yelling at the backstage area, you know, you guys are down, you guys, and all that stuff, so for the, I think for the audience, it was a good experience. For me, it was kind of awkward being that far from an audience, you know, like I'm used to, I'm used to having the audience right where I could jump right on top of them, right from the stage, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that that was the awkward part. Um, but I think overall, um, the, the the crowd response was good, and it was great. And we're actually considering uh, doing more of those in the new year coming in. That's awesome, dude. I got to come check it out. I miss you guys. I haven't seen you guys play for a long time. You know, I interviewed you guys for the first time back at the X Games, like 19, early X Games, man, winter X Games, actually. Like 19, I don't remember, like 99 or something, 2000 maybe. Long time ago, maybe 2000. Oh, really? Yeah, it was a long, long time. I was just starting out and stuff with, uh, you know, all that. But anyhow, you guys have, like, managed to stay, like, you're timeless, you guys are timeless, straight up. You are. Well, you know, you know what? I've heard this before, brother. Can you hear me good? Yeah, I could hear you good. Okay. You know, I've heard that before, and the only thing that, you know, I could attribute that to is just uh, our commitment to, to excellence, I guess you would say, like the Raiders' old slogan, just to get your get your crew off the ground and running. And then once you make a splash, you know, continue to make a splash. And we try to do that for as long as we could. You know, hip-hop has obviously changed and whatnot. You know, still room for the OGs in there to, to go show them how it's really done, you know, how you know how to entertain the crowd in the proper way and and whatnot. And people always liked the fact that no matter what bill we were on and who was around us as far as, like, bands performing, if it was something conscious or something political, 
knew that when Cyprus came on, it's going to be a party. So, yeah, we retained that spirit, you know, throughout our career. And I think, you know, that's another reason why, you know, we're coming up on 30 years next year. And, um, and we're looking forward, you know, I, don't, I can't say how long, how much longer we'll do it or, you know, things like that. But I know that, you know, we, we still plan to continue well into this, you know, into this new uh, decade. Got it. 30, 30 years already has gone by that quick? Dang. That's crazy. Yeah, brother. The, the first album came out in, uh, I think, August of 1991. And I was uh, a 25-year-old kid, you know, and I really, hadn't really seen much of the world or, or life, you know, and, and until we were thrown out there, you know, and, and I think I grew up on tour more than I grew up at home. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you grow up quick. Well, you, you know, listen, man, seeing the world and, and seeing how other people live and traveling, that's, you You learn so much just from that, you know? Like just, yeah, just, you know, it's a, kind of like a yeah. hands-on kind of thing. You're like, damn, you know? So 30 years, man, that's yeah. amazing. 30 I, years and we've seen most of the world and, you know, and I think during has been like an eye-opening experience you know, as far as, like, uh, different cultures, races, foods, and all that stuff. So it's definitely been, you know, a wild ride. And, and uh, I don't know what else I would have done if if my friends would have done Cypress Hill without me and left me behind. I probably would have gone crazy. But, um, and, you know, I'm I'm, thank- I'm very thankful and I feel very blessed as far as my career has gone. And, and our career, you know, all of us in Cypress Hill and all the things we've been able to do and accomplish, you know, it's definitely been a trip. Well, how did you guys? Yeah, I looked online. Okay, so you guys met. Were you Southgate? Is that where you guys were from? Yeah, we're from the Gate. We're from the Gate. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so I, I read something that you you guys were uh, going down the the road, you know, with gangs and stuff, and the music is what's what saved you guys, right? Yeah, man. You know, it's a funny thing, man, because we, you know, when you're growing up, and you kind of prove to everybody that you're a hard rock and and this and that, and you, you start hanging out with the wrong people, and it could have very easily have gone the other way for us, you know, but um, during that whole time, I mean, I started rapping when I was like 17 years old. Right. You know, so in between all the fashions and crazes and and the gangbang and all that shit, you know, we were still rapping. It wasn't like, you know, we weren't. And, and, I, and, and if it wasn't for that, I think it definitely could have gone very ugly, very bad. You know, we, we were able to pull it out and, you know, when we met when we met DJ Muggs, that's what sparked the change in us because he was just all about, you know, hip hop, hip hop all the time, hip hop. Like we'd be hanging out on my block, and Muggs would leave for like four hours. And later on, I found out that, and then he'd come back, and then later on, I found out that he would go home and DJ for four hours in his bedroom, and then come back to him when we were right. He's like. You guys, you know, I knew you guys were going to be there when I came back, so I'm just going to go DJ and I'll be back. So he definitely made us uh, understand the importance of of what hip-hop could mean to our lives and our family's lives. And, and once we were all on board, you know, it took about two years to get signed and the third year to get the first album out, you know? Did you guys all go to school together? No. I went to Southgate High School okay. right in the early 80s. Uh-huh. I think uh, yeah, it had to be early 80s. Yeah, early 80s that I, I went there. And then Be Real went there, like, late 80s, like, eight, like 86 or 87 or something. And then Muggs was over in a city called Bell Gardens. And 
you know? It's just the, the musical gods have all together in the same place. That's a, uh, Man, I love these kind of stories, man, because, like, you know, you... You said something earlier where, you know, things could have gone ugly, could have gone down the wrong road. And I just, you know, just reflecting on like, say, in BMX and skateboarding and stuff. I've seen so many people when we were growing up that, that had potential, but they just got tangled up with the wrong crowd, doing the wrong thing. And, uh, you know, they didn't end up, they, they quit riding. And so what, what I relate to what you're saying is that's cool that you guys were able to like use that energy and put it towards something positive that's still cracking today. I mean that's sick, dude. Did you ever think that like like how long can I do this? No, man. That that never came in a thought, and I'm gonna tell you why. Back in the days when we started in the in the early '90s, in hip hop, there was no thing called longevity. You know, if groups were coming in '89 in less than five years, and other other artists were straight going to the movie screen and blowing up that way. You know, and continuing the career, but there was no longevity in hip hop, man. No one ever spoke of it. No one ever achieved it. You know, so we we uh we just set about and started doing our thing. And before we knew, it, our management was like, "Start thinking about your ten year anniversary." We're been ten years already. Damn, we're you know we were like, "Where's all that time go?" And they were like, "Dude." You guys got a grip of more time left in you, so don't even worry about it, you know. So we thought, you know, we played out or if we could get played out or something after 10 years. It's been a long time. Some of our favorite artists didn't go 10 years, you know what I mean? So the the, the whole, you know, uh, just hunkering down and, and continuing what we do. And, and I think that was the best decision for, you know, for all of us to, to continue doing, you know, music and, not as a, as a pay source instead of, you know, going back to work and shit and all that. You know, it's like, why would you want to do that after you've done this? So, um, I think the longevity thing comes into play, you know, in, in, in a big way with us, you know. Yeah, well, you, you're able to, like you said, you've been doing this for so long. What, what else are you going to do? you got to keep going forward. you got to keep branching out. seems like you guys just have such good chemistry and you're all cool dudes. And that, that's probably played a lot into it as well, that, like, you guys are, like, down-to-earth people, you know? Yeah, man. And you know what? And I, and I, I definitely, you know, we had time before we were all in Cypress Hill. We all weren't in Cypress Hill. We were just a bunch of bros hanging out. And we'd all, we, we would piece in on the fucking hamburger specials and the, you know, the 40 ounces in the weed. We'd all go together on everything. And I think that, that built a... a brotherhood bond between all of us, you know, like we remember, you know, right now we don't live that way anymore, but we remember doing all those things, man, and, and, and thinking like we're getting by and we're good and we're happy and all that, you know what I mean, but we were broke and we didn't even know it, but we were happy, you know, and, and to, and to, to, and I think that built the, the humbleness, you know, that you speak of and, and things like that, because we remember the days when we didn't have shit. And nobody knew us, and nobody, you know, we didn't have any money. Nobody wanted to let us in the hip hop club for free or anything like that. And then you turn around and you put a record on, and it blows up. And obviously, wants to give you shit for saying let you in the club for free. I think that's what helped, you know, keep everybody's head on straight when the when the success part came through. Yeah, you're self made, you know. Yeah, which, which is amazing, and 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 just just look, just staying together as a band. 
through the ups and downs and this and that and the touring and, and, and of course you have setbacks and all these, you know, all the things that come along with success is like you guys have been able to manage an, uh, a band. I mean, just, just whether, whether you're a rock band, hip hop band, country band, whatever, like 30 years is a lot of punk band, like to stick together for 30 years. That's some like Rolling Stone status shit. You know what I'm saying? It's great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. And another, another factor of that is that we've allowed ourselves to go outside of Cypress Hill and be our own artist. It's not like we, you know, demanded of each other to only be in Cypress Hill. And, and the fact that, you know, I can go out there and do my own thing when I want, be those must do their own things, whatever, you know, I think that helped us last longer because we weren't stuck in that thing, you know, do Cypress Hill all the time. I got to do Sand Dog stuff and be real, you know, does his own solo stuff. And, and I think, you know, that's an outlet that all artists need is to get out of from where you're at and the, the big money maker, which is Cypress, and, and go out and do some stuff that probably is not going to make you as much money but you'll have fun doing it and it's good for your soul and it's good for your psyche and all that stuff and and that's another reason too man you know we, we don't we don't pigeonhole ourselves or or, or, or making sure that you know well, he's recording with who doing what that's not even it you know what I mean it's just uh, you know okay you know we'll see you when you get that deal and, and, and normally what happens that is that artist comes back to the circle stronger because you know, you've been able to go out away from the band, record by yourself with other people, and bring your knowledge back into the fold. And, you know, that makes for a stronger unit at the end of the day, you know. that That's great. I mean, I, that that leads to the, my next question is like with Power Flow. That's, that's, that's your other band, correct? Yeah, man. The Power Flow. The PLO. <laughs> yeah, dude, for sure. So, like, Power Flow is a completely different type of band than Cypress Hill. Yeah, for sure. I had to make sure that that was, that that was the intention and everybody knew it, that this isn't like a, a hip-hop, you know, another attempt at trying to do something similar to where I come from. I had to, I had to prove to myself and show everybody else that, you know, I could do a completely whole other genre. Not to show off or anything like that, just but just to, you know, to let people know, like, oh, this is different, you know? Yeah. And, uh, when I started out, it was just, just me and Roy Lozano, and the more I was like, we're going to need a band for this. So we found people and and uh, and then completed an album and put it out there, and I, I've had the time of my life. Um, you know, we got to do all the heavy metal uh, big-time uh, festivals in Europe and, and whatnot, and, and toured with Prong and Bujeria. Uh, um, I can't wait to get back at that exactly, you know, because uh, I really get powerful. But um, just to have the chance to to go out there, grow, expand, and learn, and at, at my age, you know what I mean? Because I <laughs> I got signed with Powerflow at 50 years old. I'm like, look, 50 year old gets a new record deal. <laughs> That's so <laughs> <Yeah>. rad. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you don't look 50. You don't like. I mean, like you don't. You got a youthful spirit. You know what I'm saying? Like, like. It's like, you know, you still you still are able to to people still want to watch you. You know what I mean? It's not like you're showing up like in a wheelchair or something. like a walker. I mean, you know what I mean? I'm just saying. Um, yeah, I got, I, I got you. I think that helps being able to do uh, shit like Power Flow and even Cypress Hill. That you know, I think this music career of mine has kept me, you know, younger looking side or whatever. But um, you know, if I was, I, I get it. If I also have that bad back and knees and 
know, and all that stuff. Maybe they will pop value or whatever. I wouldn't want to get out there and continue my career and try new things. But like I said, you know, I think the the, the, the musical gods, the, the career has kept me young and young enough to feel like I can still do it. So that's why I'm still out there. Yeah, well, it's kind of you, 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 you know, at least from my experiences of touring with BMX and stuff and riding BMX, I always just feel like I'm in that bubble, but not in a bad way. Just like my mind is like thinking of like other stuff than what maybe a normal 50 year old thinks about, I guess, you know, like I'm thinking about like bike yeah. tricks and shit and like other dudes are like, you know, just, you know what I mean? So like, that's just a different kind of vibe. Um, Power Flow, though, is more of a metal band. You have you always been into metal, or is that something that you got into, or did you were you you know because like growing up people were like oh, I don't listen to metal, I listen to hip hop, and hip hop's like oh, I don't I listen to rock, I don't listen to punk, blah blah blah. Nowadays it seems like everybody listens to everything. But did you grow up listening to all different types of stuff? Yeah, man. Uh, I think for me the, the primarily in my house there we come from a musical family, so but what I gravitated to was like soul like James Brown and shit like that and and then um that led me to like Jimi Hendrix and Black Sabbath. You know, before you know I was a you know, big old Led Zeppelin, you know, listening to Led Zeppelin and and then uh let's see from there, um I remember I got into Kiss, like really, really fucking bad. I was a big old Kiss head, right? Awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's that's rad. And and at the same time we you know we still had like you know, the Sugar Hill stuff, the Apache stuff, and all that breakdancing, you know, Malcolm McLaren and all that stuff was all was all right there for us, you know what I mean? But we came from, on our block, on Cypress Avenue, um, like racially, a little bit of everything. So, you know, we had Cholos on our block, and we had white boys on our street. And I remember the guy across the street and his brother were up big into rock and roll and smoking weed. And uh, so I, I naturally I gravitated to them, and they were always playing, uh, you know, the latest uh, rock stuff to come out. And you know, subliminally, I just not even subliminally, like unconsciously, I, I I was listening to rock and didn't even really realize it. When it came on the radio, I would just leave it instead of changing it. And one day, my little my little sister said, "Damn, dude, you're such a rocker," and I'm like, "You know what? I am." <laughs> So, um, yeah, so I, I kept on, you know, I just, to me, it's just listening to music. It's like listening to a hip-hop track, you put on a rock and metal thing, and and this, and what it's doing, what the music does, it's basically the same thing from genre to genre, but it's a different style. So I just learned to adapt to different styles, and, and I think I should be open-minded to, you know, eventually, you know, do a band like Powerflow after, like, you know, many years of just being in a hip-hop band. And that's one thing I gotta say is that I would have done Powerflow a long, you know, a lot sooner. But um, you know, Cypress Hill always paid the bills. I didn't, I didn't need to go do anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I still, I, I still didn't need to go do Powerflow. It was just an itch in me to, to do, you know, heavy metal stuff. And uh, and I remember, you know, the late great Benny Paul came to see me play in Las Vegas with Powerflow, and I was just like. OMG, Vinny Paul's here. I couldn't believe that he that he that he liked the band to begin with, and second that he would even get off. You know, you know he's a big time rock star. He doesn't need to come see you know little bands and little places, but he showed up and and it meant a lot to me. You know, yeah, man, because uh, you know, obviously I'm a big Pantera fan as well. So you know, uh, 
that was a big deal for me, you know. And, and I was like, that day, I was like, man, I'm so glad I did this tall flow thing. I also had never met Vinny Paul like, like I did tonight. You know? That's that's a badass <laughs> so, story. Hey, that reminds me when me and you did the uh, uh, Dime Bash. That was insane. Uh, uh, I think the last song, uh, Walk by Pantera with, with the Anthrax and Dave Um that was that. I was on stage and my hairs were standing up on my arms, like, Whoa, "This is some wicked stuff, man!" And I was like, "I was like, uh, I was, I was pretty happy that day, actually. I don't know about you, but I thought we killed it, dude. I was okay uh, being up there with you and Scott Ian and Dave Grohl and Charlie on drums. I was like, uh, man, I honestly like, I, I couldn't believe it. Even to this day, I still feel very blessed and honored to be able to do that, and." You know, that, that was fun, and we did. We killed it, man. We definitely killed it. You did some Slayer, too. Yeah, you? man. Yeah, man. They, they got me up there singing that Slayer song. It wasn't my idea. It was Thursday, and I got a call from Rita and Jose. And they were like, we went to sing this song by Slayer. We know you could do it. And I was like, oh, my God, Slayer, right? Like, the the heaviest of the heavy and, like, you know, Tom Ryan screamer vocals. And, and I was like, I can't how that guy what that guy does you know so, so I had never really paid attention to that song and I put it on and I'm like okay I think I could do it I, once I heard it I was like I think I could knock this out you know but I, I rehearsed it for like two weeks in a row that's all I listened to all day every day was that song so um, it, it got me ready for it you know and, and it was fun but I, I think I you know the, the, the song we did you know, with 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 Charlie and and Scott and Shane and all those guys with the Pantera jam, that one really came out really really strong. And Man, that was fun, dude. I yeah. that was the time of my life. I'm so stoked um, that I was able to do that um, with you and everybody else. Um, I wanted to ask you a question about Power Flow compared to Cypress Hill. Two different types of venues, two different types of crowds, two different types of vibes, or do you get the same type of same fans from Cypress Hill coming to Power Flow. No, man, you get some, you know, that come with their Cypress Hill shirts and whatnot. And um, but overall, I think you know Power Flow had its own fan base, and, and it's a heavier, it's a grittier fan base. You know what I mean? So it's it's like we get. I, I would say you know, I would see like maybe you know five or six Cypress Hill shirts in the audience, you know, nightly or whatever. But most people were there because they're fans of Power Flow. You know what I mean? Is the energy the same or is the energy different? I would say it's different um, because, you know, um, Cypress Hill, you know, slows down at some point. Power Flow doesn't. Got it. You know? and, 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 I mean, it's, it's a whole different mentality. I got the, I got the long hair dudes, you know what I mean, with the 6'6", six, 6'6", six, six shirts. At the power flow shows, you know what I'm saying? Those guys don't really show up that much at at, at a Cypress Hill event. You know what I mean? But I I think uh, it's a different it's a different trip and it's a different it's a different fan base altogether. Um, hopefully, it'd be nice to one day perform with you know Power Flow and Cypress Hill on the same bill or together some and have those crowds come together and see what happens. You know. Yeah, absolutely. How's it, how's it, uh, cause Cypress Hill is the bigger venues. And then, you know, I saw you play at the Viper room with power flow 
And was it, was it, did you know going into it that like, okay, this is going to be smaller clubs? Because, you know, I was like, sometimes, I guess what I'm getting at is sometimes people reach a level of success and they're like, okay, I'm used to playing, you know, 15,000 people and now there's going to be 500. Did you, is that something you feel is good to be intimate? Like is, is Powerflow more intimate with the band being a smaller venue? Did that, did that affect you any? Or did you know that going in like, okay, this is going to be grittier from the floor up again. Let's have some fun. Yeah, I think I was that I, I was that way to what you said there. I think it was going to be more of a, of a smaller thing. And, and for the most part, it was um, in the United States, you know. But when we went to Europe, and wow, you know, we got, you know, we're playing, you know, 4, 30, 5 o'clock, you know, on build with Guns N' Roses and, and you know, uh, Iron Maiden and Scorpions and, and we're on the same bill. I mean, I'm just on that duck. But, you know, behind me is, you know, rock and roll at its best. You know what I mean? And heavy metal at its best. And we were, like, in in Europe where the fan is more open-minded and quicker to jump on things. Um, we were, like, we were, we, were a, we were a bigger hit over there than over here. They seem like they're more into metal, too, don't they? They seem like they're more, like, into... Oh, yeah, man. You know? Yeah. Than the States. States is into metal, but over there I always hear like, yeah, they love metal. Yeah, they do. And, uh, and they, and they show it, they show it to you. Like, you know, like I I think, um, we played Hellfest and Grasstop amongst other, you know, big heavy metal festivals out there. And it was a good time. You know what I mean? Uh, I also enjoy the, you know, the 250,000 capacity, the 250 people capacity venues, like, you know, that we were playing in the States, and I get the, you know, more of an intimate ordeal for the fan as well as the band. And I also enjoy that. So I think it's just a, depending on what I got to do that day, you know, as to how, you know, as to how, as to how what my mindset is. But um, I like the I like the smaller crowd, especially after playing with Cypress for so many years. We didn't do very many small shows. So when we set up with Power Flow, um, and places like the uh, Viper Room were perfect. It was fun. I I, I love that. I you know that's the you, you know it, it gave me a re, a, a reboot sort of you could say because you know coming from where I came from and I hadn't played those small venues in a long ass time and getting to redo them and all that it was awesome and beautiful man. I, just, I really enjoyed myself. That's awesome, dude. Well, you man, you keep like re, you keep reinventing yourself, man. You keep staying relevant and that's that's uh challenging for any artist or any athlete of any kind uh, or entertainer to stay uh you know doing what they love to do you uh i noticed that you started uh, to change the subject from music you started your own business you have a new cannabis line right yeah well it's not new anymore but yeah we're, it's newer than most of the stuff that's been out there and uh and we call it hill house and i'm sorry yeah it's, wait, yeah so, it's called hill house hill house H-I-L-L-H-O-U-S-E, Hill House. My bad, I cut you off. Yeah, absolutely. How how's that? Is that taking taking that into the business world? Um, is that is that something that's? Uh, I guess what I should say is like when you when you step into the business world, is that is that challenging for you in a new way? Well, I mean, uh, sort of because I remember uh, my first cannabis line. Um, we used to put weed in in little little dime bags and sell them after school by you know did hiding around the corner from the school. <laughs> and uh, that was <laughs> that was one way 
Wait, wait, I, wait, 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 wait. I haven't heard dime bag and nickel bag since I was like probably in fifth grade. <laughs> yeah, that I I preferred it that way actually better, but um, you know, uh, it's a uh, it's a different industry, man, and it's as complicated as you know coming up with like a t-shirt line like famous or tribal or something, or or as hard as you know getting like a rap act off the ground. It's not it's, it's not as simple as it sounds. Like, oh, I'm gonna put a weed line and put it out there, and the whole world's gonna go crazy for my weed. It's not even that. You know what I mean? It's it's more it's more hard work and due diligence than anything else, and and uh, and you got to stay on it all, all the time, all the time, stay on it. And you know, there's you know a million weed bags out now, and everybody, even people, even celebrities who don't smoke marijuana, got a weed line out because they see that it's like the thing to do, and it's it's a thing that could bring in some you know potential money depending on your your celebrity, how big you are, and whatnot. You know, so people are getting in it that would never have thought of getting in it, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. Right. So you have to compete with all of these companies and, you know, stuff like that. So it's a struggle every day. and it's, But it's worth doing because that one day it's going to it's gonna kick off and pop off and something's going to happen and, you know, and we're going to make some money behind it. But it's not to say that I'm not making money behind it, but so one day we're going to get it up there and, and you know, hopefully... You know, the whole country will know my, my weed line. But for now, it's like, uh, you know, it's like, like I told you, it's like starting a t-shirt line. You know, it's hard going. Well, yeah, you have to, uh, obviously the competition, it seems like, you know, like like you, you mentioned, a lot of people are getting involved with, with uh, cannabis because they, you know, that's the thing to do and they might not even smoke. But you guys are like OG smokers, so it kind of makes more sense for you guys, man. Come on. Yeah, definitely. Well, Rick, I have been smoking since I was 12 years old, and uh, I haven't missed too many days since then. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's, I'm just putting that out there for the record. <laughs> so people know. Well, no, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like if people get into BMX that don't ride because it's popular, we'd be like, you're all posers. You ain't no BMXers. What you doing? Get out of here. <laughs> it's probably like that with that cannabis. Is. Like, this dude don't even smoke. He's trying to start a line. Get out of here. Kick rocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got actresses and lawyers and people that, you know, never had the stuff, you know, all of a sudden they went online, so I'm like, man, it's, it's a, the field is really competitive, and that's what I think I learned really fast. Yeah, well, everything's a competition nowadays. Uh, I guess it always has been, but how does it make you guys feel to be the first all-Latino band to be platinum? Um, With Cypress Hill? Wow. Uh, yeah, that's a good question, man. Uh, you know, it... it very special, man, to know that we were the first Latino band to, you know, to, to accomplish that feat, and that lets you know where the state of hip hop at, at, at the at the time when we, we were out there when we did this, thing, where mentality was African American, you know, dominated field, you know, and uh, we came along without with our style, you know, refusing to bend or anything like that. Um, or 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 change our style up, which we were asked to do, you know, by different record companies, um, and we refused. You know, that I mean, we're, we said we're going to stick to our guns. That's what we did, and you know, we were paid off. You know, the record worked, um, and for when that first record did that, um, and the second record doubled that, you know, we were like wow, you know, this is really special. And the fact that we were, you know, the first Latino kids to to do it, um, it was 
it was even a greater thing because, you know... Um, you broke down some walls, dude. It put us up there. Yeah, we broke down some walls and it put us up there as like, you know, these kids are funky no matter what race they are, you know. And uh, and it was, de- it was definitely, you know, something that I still, to this day... I still have the platinum plaques up in my house behind that, behind those achievements. Sick. <laughs> you know? And, um, yeah. So it, it was definitely the shit and, and, and knowing that, you know, that we're, um, how can I say, you know, we're influencing younger Latino kids to do their shit, you know, to go for self and then try it and whatnot. You know, I think that was the most important part for me because I've met a lot of young kids, you know, in the game that have, you know, told me, like, you know, because of you guys when they first heard Cyprus, that they decided, like, if they could do it, I could do it. And I'm like, God damn right. You know what I mean? Damn right. So I think that's the most special kind of, you know, um, thing that anybody could tell you is, you know, that I started, you know, hip-hopping and doing my thing. And it's happened, you know, you know, all over the place, you know, and as we toured and travel. Like, artists that I got into that I, you know, that I heard about, and they're like, I started because of Cypress Hill, and, you know, blah, 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 and I'm like, wow, that's that's pretty heavy, you know? So, yeah, I think if you could, if you could open up minds and get people to, you know, believe in themselves and whatnot, and then I think that's the most the most greatest thing, and keep, keep your music genre moving, I think that's the most special thing that you can do, you know, as an artist, like, and, you know, making money is great and being famous is great, but, you know, you turned on the next generation of what's to be, and I think that's even, you know, greatest thing of all. Well, you guys are doing it, dude, and you keep doing it, and you keep reinventing yourself, which I admire, and I love the I love the fact that you guys are self-made. Um, man, I, I, I can't wait to see you play again with Cypress Hill, Power Flow, or, just, or us get back up on stage and do some Pantera, dude. Um, do, you, do you Can you tell everybody your Instagram right now so they can follow you? My Instagram is full of Sendog of Cypress Hill. S-E-N-D-O-G is how you spell Sendog and of Cypress Hill. So it's just put in Sendog. And I have a cartoon little face of mine up there on a little circle part. It shouldn't be hard to tell. Yeah. And yes, I do post. Yeah, that's yeah, you you do your own. I know, I know you're you're in charge of your own Instagram. And that's another aspect. Just that's why people like relate to you guys. That's why they relate to you. Uh, especially like you're a real person when they meet you, and that's that's hard to maintain when you when for some people when they reach that level of success and you've been able to do that, keep both feet on the ground, and that's badass, dude. So, thank you, sir. Thank you. Well, listen, man, have a great day. It was rad talking to you, and I can't wait to see you again, man. All right, Rick, you be careful on that bike. You know, you, you be seeing me. I be putting likes on your pictures. Stay rad, brother. Okay, Rick. Talk to you soon, brother. Peace out.